0: Hello, my name is Caitlin, and I'm a junior at Providence Baptist College. Please enjoy the following Maverick message. They finished, they accomplished the will of God for their life. Some of them are, you no, know, as, I, as I, mentioned, I mentioned a minute ago, they're, they're named in here. Others are not named. And by the way, all the races were unique and different. Some of the races were very pleasant. Some of the races were not quite as pleasant but they finished their race okay and now he encourages us challenges us to run our own race with the emphasis on obviously finishing the encouragement is that great cloud of witnesses all those folks mentioned in chapter 11 those not mentioned uh, cheering us on to run our own race and you know Jesus stays in heaven one of these days uh, I will be a part of that great cloud of witnesses brother Hall will be a part of that great cloud of witnesses so the older folks that your church back home will be a part of that great cloud of witnesses. If Jesus stays in heaven someday, you may be a part of that great cloud of witnesses, and you'll be cheering on those who are left here on earth still running their race. Now, in order for us to successfully finish our race, the Bible says we must run with patience. I want to start at the end of the verse and go back to the beginning. You see that at the end. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. People, you've heard this Said before, said it again. The Christian life is not a hundred-yard dash; it's a marathon. And even this part of your marathon, this Bible college part of your race, it's not a dash. It's a lengthy thing, whether you're here to get a one-year certificate, whether you're here to get a two-year degree or a four-year degree, you're going to have to exercise patience in order to finish this part of your race. A lot of Bible college students will make a decision about continuing in the first two or three weeks, two or three weeks of school. People, you can't do that. You've got to give this longer than two or three weeks. Okay, now, you know, a lot of new students here, and that's wonderful. And by the way, let me just give you a little story about my first day in my first year of Bible college, okay, which was larger than this Bible college. I'm talking about hows Anderson in 1976. Pretty good number of students. I knew nobody in the church in Hammond. I knew nobody in the school. Nobody. I didn't live in Indiana. I lived in Georgia. Everybody that lived in Indiana was a Yankee. Amen. Okay, now that's trouble for me. All right, but anyway. So seriously, I go to this I go to this Bible college in this church where I don't know anybody. I don't I don't know I don't have somebody to locate and sit with in chapel that I've known. I, I'm really by myself, and I'm standing in registration line, and I think now with all the You know, all the digital things and all the access that we have to the digital world, uh, it's a lot simpler to register people for school than it used to be, and, and there's a lot of people there. And you know who registers first? The seniors, and then the juniors, and then the sophomores, and then the freshmen. Okay, and maybe you got your eye on a class that's uh, an elective or something, and you know. But sorry, we're full. And it changes your. It's just you're standing there. You're bug-eyed. You're looking around. You know. You're you're wondering what do I do next? And, and you're standing there, really, literally, just. Spit- and so this guy comes up and he starts talking to me. And he says, "Hi uh, hey there." And he says, uh, "Hey, I'm Dan Parton. What's your name?" I said, "I'm Terry Angel." Is there Are you new? You didn't have to ask that. You could tell that immediately. Everybody asked, are you? And I said, yes, I'm, I'm a freshman. Where are you from? I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia area. Well, that's great. He said, I'm a senior. He said, I know it all looks inundating right now, and you don't know everything that's going on. You probably ask a million questions, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to do, What?" It, blah, 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 blah. He said, you know, it's not, it's not all that bad. It's going to take a little time to get adjusted, and he stood with me and stood and walked with me in that registration line and talked to me for probably 20 minutes. A senior. Rather than standing around laughing at the freshman who doesn't know what he's doing. Some of you just dropped your head. Rather than standing around laughing at the freshman who doesn't know what he's doing, the senior pulls up besides a a, a naive freshman and begins to just really just relax the whole thing. That'd be a good thing for some of you upperclassmen to do. Okay. And if you're here in Bible college... And this is your first semester. And even for those of you who are upperclassmen, you can't make a decision about this part of your race in the first couple weeks. Okay. When I was, this is back in 2018. So what is it that, five years ago. About this time of the year, August. My parents are living in Florida. My brother who had, who had lived there was moving to South Carolina. And my dad came down with Alzheimer's. I don't know if you ever had anybody in your family that suffered with Alzheimer's. It's not a pretty thing, okay? And he got violent. Some people get sweet. Some people get violent. He got violent, and uh, I can tell you some stories that just you have to just laugh at uh, because you cry if you didn't if you didn't laugh. And so it became obvious. My younger brother was already in heaven, died of brain cancer at age 49. My middle brother's moving to South Carolina. Mom and dad don't want to move to South Carolina. And here, Tim doesn't have the time to take care. I'm the oldest son. So it became very apparent that we're going to have to move mom and dad to Illinois. And I got to not just move mom and dad to Illinois. I got to bring a dad with Alzheimer's and get him settled and taken care of. And I remember, you know, I was with my uncle who still lives in the Atlanta area. And of course, we were talking. I had gone through the I, long Don't you know why? I'd gone through Atlanta and stopped at his house, and he and his, he and my aunt, had taken care of her parents as they were elderly. And he told me, he said, Terry, he said, he said, in the first couple of weeks, you're going to feel overwhelmed. I'm pastor in a church. We have a school, and I tried to teach in once a week preach chapel. I'm traveling to some meetings, conferences and camps a little bit in other places. I'm teaching at college. And, you know, you you look at it as maybe three or four hours. Let me tell you, for us, it's more than that. More than that. Okay. So I'm spinning all these plates. And now I'm going to bring not just a, a mom and dad. I'm bringing mom and dad, a dad with Alzheimer's. And I got to add that to the, and honestly, I was overwhelmed. And my uncle, I don't forget, he gave me great advice. He said, listen, he said, don't make any judgments in the first couple of weeks. He said, you'll figure out a routine. You'll figure out what works, what doesn't work. And in two or three weeks, you'll have it all situated and settled down into a routine. And you can make this happen. And you know what? He hit the nail on the head. So, it's very unwise for you to make any decisions about finishing in the first two weeks. You got to give this thing some time, okay? It's a lot different than high school, a lot different than high school. Some of you, you know, you worked a job back home, but now it's not just work a job, it's the the school, it's the study, it's the work a job, it's the ministry experience and service on the weekend, and it can get a little bit overwhelming. You got this much to do for this class and this much to do because the guy teaching your second or third class has no idea what the guy teaching the first class gave you to do, and you're all piled up. You got to get these books, and you got to be at this place at this time, and do this at this time, and be at this certain place, and fill this out. And if you want to do this, you got to fill this. Really, 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 calm down. Be patient. All right, you'll figure it out. You're not a dummy. You'll figure it out. You'll get a routine. You'll get your schedule set. I'll say more about that later in just a few minutes. But you can't make a decision. This is a matter. It takes patience. It takes patience to run this part of your race. Don't make a decision about, well, I'm not coming back second semester based on the first two weeks of this semester. You don't do that. All right, you run with patience. So he says, run with patience, the race that's set before you. And then he said, previous to that, there are some things that must be laid aside. He said, lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. Now, that's pretty easy to understand, folks. Sin is a detriment to any person trying to run their race successfully for Christ. Now, you're not going to be sinless, but let me ask you a question. What's in your heart? Is it in your heart to do right? If it's not, Bible college will not be a utopian experience that makes it impossible for you to do wrong. If there's wrong in your heart, you'll find a way to do wrong. The college can have 8 million rules. Can have 8 million checks and balances. But if it's in your heart to do wrong, guess what you're going to do? you're going to do wrong. Okay? If it's in your heart to be immoral, you're going to find a way to be immoral. If it's in your heart to be moral and be right and clean and pure, you know what? You're in a pretty good place. But this is no utopia. Bible. There never has been a Bible college anywhere. There's never been a single year in a Bible college everywhere that's a utopian year where that where it's just this panacea, this beautiful environment setting where nobody has any opportunity to do wrong. That's never existed. Won't exist this year. All right. So if there's something in your heart, if there is a sin that so easily besets you, you need to lay that aside. This would be a good time to do it. Amen. The first week, first full week of the first full semester. Take care of it. Are you a sneaky man? You're a sneaky lady. You fly under the radar with your activities. It's time to get that out. Lay that aside. All right. You know your weakness. So does the devil. And he'll come at you with it over and over and over again. Get rid of it. Get it out of your heart. But that's not what I want to talk to you about. The thing he says before the sin that so easily besets us, he talks about laying aside every weight. And it's interesting that he uses the word every. You know what that means? That means there's more than one. More than one lay aside every weight. What is a weight? A weight is a burden. A weight is heavy. A weight is cumbersome. There is a difference in the weights and the sin. The weights are not necessarily sinful, but they are a hindrance. The weights may not be wrong in and of themselves, but they are a Hindrance and the goal is to run the race to finish, and the weights create unnecessary burdens. When I was in public high school, I played basketball. I'm six foot three and was given to play basketball more than the other sports. And I worked a job, I could only choose one sport to play, so I played basketball. You know what we did in the off-season? In the off-season, we had a weight training program. We had to lift weights. As soon as basketball season started, you know what we quit doing? We quit lifting weights. Now, I think football's different. I think football, you all lifted weights all through the season. I think with all you know about it, you played football. But there was a reason for that, because you developed a shot, a jump shot. And if you if you lifted weights, you got stronger or whatever, you would sometimes throw off your shot. So we quit lifting weights. During uh, during uh, off-season, we, we, you know what an ankle weight is? You know what ankle weights are? Those little bags full of sand, I guess, or whatever we Boom. Velcroed them around our ankles, and we ran with those things. When we went out to start the ball game, we weren't wearing ankle weights. Okay, it was time to play. We didn't want to get burdened down. Weights need to be done with. So away with the weights. And so specifically, I want to talk about some things that are not necessarily wrong. But if you're going to have a successful school semester and year, you'd be very wise to lay some of these weights aside. The first one I want to talk about is the cell phone. I tell you what's sad. What's sad now is we have developed a lifestyle that we really can't do without. We can't. I don't know if I've ever met a teenager that successfully handled a cell phone through their through their teen years. But they're 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 necessary today. We do everything with them. Take pictures. We follow the blue little dot to get us from point A to point B. Do you know what an atlas is? <laughs> an atlas is a book of maps, roads, highways, and you Get on there and you find out where you are and where you're going and what road you're going. We don't do that anymore. We just follow the little blue, blue light. They're wonderful things. Life has changed with cell phones. I remember you know, our kids dating and they would talk for an hour on the cell phone with the girl, the boy they were dating. When I was in Bible college, when I was dating my wife... You know how I talked to her? I talked to her on a phone that was stuck on the wall in the laundry room at Baptist City in Cherville, Indiana. The cord on that phone was about 18 inches long. And you had to put quarters into it to talk. Because she's in Iowa, I'm in Indiana. And so I got, you start out with $2 worth of quarters, and that gives you, oh, about 15 minutes. And then when those 15 minutes are nearing, the, the, a voice says, please insert another quarter for somebody. And so you got to be, and you, you, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning over a washing machine with this 18 inch cord and trying to put quarters into this phone to talk to my girlfriend. We were lucky to get 20 minutes. That's about it, if that. Without costing you an arm and a leg, because Bible college you didn't have tons of quarters. You had to have every dime just to survive, and that's how we dated. But nowadays, with cell phones, you got it with you all the time. It's with you nonstop all the time, and you're going to waste a ton. Maybe you could get by with that in tenth grade of high school. Maybe you could get by with that in eleventh and twelfth grade. You're not going to get by in college with wasting time on your cell phone not going to happen. That weight has to be laid aside. It's got to be laid aside. Number two is the internet. The internet. The internet can distract you. The internet can misinform you. You know what's sad about the internet? You can be this made up made up fantasy person that attracts someone to you and you but it's not really you and i'm going to tell you what i, I know first day, i realized one time just on an email how much time i could waste on the internet with just email and folks you're going to have to figure this out if you're going to survive this first semester you're going to have to figure out what time you can spend on your cell phone what time you can spend on the internet and then what time you need to and then you're going to have to lay aside you have to lay that weight. the internet's not all bad there's a lot of good that can come out of the internet but these weights are not necessarily bad things there are things that are burdensome there are things that weigh you down What is your, uh, what's the little report on your iPhone about how much screen time? What's that saying? And you're wondering why you can't get your homework assignments done. And you're not ready for the test. And you're showing 10, 12, 15 hours on your cell phone. Probably were just wasted. It's a weight. It's a weight. You got to lay that aside. The cell phone, the internet are weights that got to be laid aside if you're going to finish this semester and finish this part of your race as you're supposed to. And then let me say this too undesirable peer pressure undesirable peer pressure has got to be laid aside. To me, this is one of the most crucial weights that many teenagers can carry. I'll make sure my time. And I know some of you are not teenagers, you're in your 20s, but undesirable peer pressure. Just because you're in a Bible college doesn't mean that all the pressure amongst your peers is positive. doesn't mean that. When I got to Bible college, I found out that some of the Young men in the school, the peer pressure they exerted on me was very positive. Some of the peer pressure that was exerted around me was very negative. The negative peer pressure has to be laid aside. Laid aside. I remember one year I was rooming with a well known young man, a well known, well known man in the school. He was he was uh, involved in the bus ministry, and his his name was, you know, just right there with all the great bus captains and folks in the school. And there had been a change in the leadership in the bus ministry. And I was rooming with him for the summer. I stayed through the summer, and I'm rooming with him through the summer. And he he didn't like, he was a division leader, and he didn't like the change in the leadership. And he was very vocal about it. We were in the roommate, we you're rooming together and he was complaining about this and complaining about that. And I was kind of buying into it. I'm not a division leader, I'm just a bus captain. We got a pretty good bus route going in a Polish neighborhood, running a pretty good number of kids, teenagers, some adults every week. And I listened to this junk and he's just yanking crit and pretty soon my spirit, my spirit, my spirit is compromised. <clears throat> A lot of times all we're concerned about is our external actions. Tell something you need to watch is your spirit. Your spirit. And my spirit began to get compromised. And I began to get critical. And I watched, I watched my bus route attendants doing the same thing Every Saturday that I had been doing previously for a year, a year, and I watched that bus route attendance just slip and, slip and slip and slip and slip and slip. I'm driving myself crazy. What in the world is happening? And then finally, late in the summer, two weeks in a row, I had eight people ride the bus. And the second time that happened, the spirit of God, I began to I began to do an examination. What is going on? And I got on my knees in that dorm room when he wasn't there and said, Lord, what's going on? Why, Why is this happening? And the Spirit of God brought me immediately to the criticism and the bad spirit about the leadership. I confessed it to God. I apologized for it to God. I got up off my knees. I made an appointment. With the leadership, I sat in Ray Young's office. I said, Brother Young, I've had a bad attitude and a bad spirit, and I've been critical about some of your policies and some of your leadership. And I want to say I'm sorry, and I want you to forgive me. He just looked at me. He said, okay. You know what happened? Right back up, doing the same things. Some people never figure out that you can't make policy for a student body based on one person. You have to make policy for a college based on the, the corporate body. If you get around somebody that has a bad spirit, it will influence you. You don't have to be a policeman. You're not the Providence Baptist College spirit police. But you don't have to, you don't want to be around that. You do not want to buddy up with a person whose spirit is sour. Got to lay that aside. When David committed adultery and murder... He went to that prayer of confession in Psalm chapter 51. He asked God to forgive him. He asked God to purge him. He asked God to wash him. He asked God to cleanse him. And you know what else he asked God to do? Renew a right within me. It wasn't just the immorality and just the murder that messed David up. His spirit spirit got off kilter. In fact, I wonder if maybe his spirit got off kilter, really his spirit getting off kilter didn't have anything at the beginning to do with adultery and murder. Maybe it was him not being where he was supposed to be. Because it was the time when the kings went forth to battle, but he tarried still. Did you ever skip church without a good reason? And your spirit kind of bothered you? Watch out for that. Watch out for peer pressure that's undesirable, that creates just a bad spirit. Maybe, the, maybe on the outside, everything is fine, everything's good going through all the motions, but there's just a bad spirit in the person. And maybe, hopefully, there's not, but probably somewhere amongst the student body sits a person today that, whose spirit is already off kilter already. Right. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't like that. And this is, man, why do they do it this way? And what's wrong with that? This policy for the school is not built around you. Lay that aside. Lay that aside. I'm not sure I should even have to mention this one, but unfortunately, the world in which we live, I guess I do video games. <laughs> Some of you surely have that figured out, but some of you probably don't. Life's no game. It's time to put that aside. I've, I've, I've told this before. and I got a, I've told this before. I got a, I got a family, a man and his wife, five boys, and summer day I'm sitting in my office the door is open it's like 100 degrees outside in July August 90% humidity like the weather we had just a few weeks ago and this mother appears at the door disheveled sweat dripping off of her I'm not exaggerating hair wet sweat dripping down her face she just stands there and says I look up and I say, what's up I'm about to have a nervous breakdown she looked at it I said what's up She said, at my house, I've been out with the push mower trying to mow the grass that's six inches tall while my husband and five sons are playing video games. Now, his five boys, a couple of them were upperclassmen in our high school. That makes him in his 40s. And then, not long, I, I called him out on it. And after that, not long after that, he loses his job. You know why he loses his job? Because he gets home at, off work and he stays up till three o'clock in the morning playing video games with his oldest sons, oversleeps, doesn't wake up, doesn't get to the job, and they fire him. Boys. Yes, sir? And I'm using the right term. Boys, that needs to be laid aside. You're too old, you're too far into life to spend umpteen hours on your silly video games. If you want to finish, that needs to be laid aside. Starting today. Right. If you haven't already. These are just things that are weights, okay? Is every video game wrong? Yeah, you know what you know what you know what I was introduced to and I'm I'm oh, Pac-Man. Rick Martin, missionary of the Philippines, came to Marion Avenue. I took him to Pizza Hut. They remember the Pizza Hut there. I took him to Pizza Hut after the Wednesday night service. Brother Brown was either gone or asked me if I could take care So Rick and I are sitting in the Pizza Hut. We're having, you know, fellowship. And then we're leaving it. And right at the exit is a Pac Man machine. And Rick Martin says, What's this? He's been to the Philippines. I said, That's Pac Man. And so I put some quarters in. He got we probably he probably played Pac-Man for 20 minutes standing there. <laughs> eating those things up. I mean, harmless in the sense better than all this killing that's going on in these video games. Maybe it's harmless. Maybe not every video game is sinful. But they are weights. They are weights. And by the way, the writer mentioned the weights before he did the sin. Maybe sometimes it's easier to lay the sin that does so easily beset you aside than it is the weights. Because they're not necessarily wrong, it's just burdensome. You can't run with them. Lastly, let me talk about this undisciplined sleep schedule. Undisciplined sleep schedule. Look, you're going to have to figure this out. Eight o'clock class on Tuesday morning, Monday morning, Thursday morning, Wednesday morning, Friday. Eight o'clock class is not the time to catch up on your sleep. Got it? Not the time to catch up on your sleep. And this is where the cell phone and we're talking and we're even boyfriends and girlfriends and spending time together and hanging out with guys and everything, hanging out with you, you know, do all the fun. Not, all that's good. That's good. But you better shut it down. You better shut it down. It's going to eat your lunch. Okay, everybody's awake today. We're 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 what are we? Five days into this, you're awake. <laughs> wait till wait till wait till fall program and October rolls around, and you're not there on Saturday, and the uh, and the uh, the the promotion on Sunday takes all Sunday afternoon, and. And then you come back and you go to church, and now it's Monday morning. All right. It takes discipline. It takes discipline. Look, get yourself a schedule. (laughs) When when I went to church at one semester there in Bible College, they handed us out a schedule. Fill out this schedule. Brother Petrick, it was every five minutes. Every five minutes of a 24-hour day, I'm supposed to schedule. I could. I, that's not me. I, I, maybe that's you. Maybe you're OCD and you can do, you know, that type of thing every five minutes. But I will tell you what I can do. What I learned to do. What I learned to do in Bible college is blocks of time. I give this blocks of time to this. This block of time to this. This block of time to this. This block of time to this. And uh, yeah, there were times, Brother Osworthy. When I had to operate on three and a half hours sleep. And there were times I had to do that for two or three days in a row. But I learned at some point things had to shut down and I had to get six hours of sleep. You just got to do it, figure it out. And let me tell you a little something the great God of heaven who created your body there were times in the middle of those stretches where I'm looking at three and a half because I worked a third shift job and it was just it was difficult and there were times during that those, 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 that, that, that period of little sleep that I literally knelt by my bed I'm looking at four hours I'm going to lay down in that bed in four hours that alarm clock is going off and I asked God my Father in heaven, would you please make this four hours like eight? And a lot of times when that alarm clock went off, I felt like I had a full night's sleep. Say, well, God, well, God, what? Oh, he can't do that? Right. You serve a mighty small God. My God can do those kind of things, all right? Look, everybody's pulling, you for, everybody's pulling for you to finish. Your parents are pulling for you to finish. Your pastor is pulling for you to finish. Pastor Kavanaugh is pulling for you to finish. Brother Hall is pulling for you to finish. The teachers are pulling for you to finish. You've got to finish your race. you got to run it with patience. you got to make sure your heart's right. But the bigger challenge is for you to figure out what's weighing you down and be man enough to weigh it aside I'll tell you what when you walk across that platform and you receive that diploma and you've had a good record at Providence Baptist College it'll be a feeling of fulfillment, satisfaction that you can't put a price on finish your race thank you for listening please tune in again for another maverick message